Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 38 of the Benzo Free Podcast. My introduction is going to be of um, singular focus today, as many of you might expect. In case you haven't heard, this is a, a very sad time in the Benzo community. On Sunday, I received an email from a member of the Ashton family, as did some others in the Benzo community. The news was solemn, but not unexpected. On September 15th, 2019, Professor C. Heather Ashton passed away. As most of you know, Professor Ashton is and always has been the heart of the benzo community. Her manual is the Bible for benzo withdrawal, period. And her legacy lives on in each and every one of us who have used her manual to help us recover and heal from these medications. In lieu of flowers, the family has requested that donations to Dementia UK would be preferred. Dementia UK is a registered charity providing dementia support, and I've included a link for donations in our show notes and on our tribute page. Services for Professor Ashton will be a private affair, per the family's request, and I would like to ask you to please respect their wishes. If you would like to read John Ashton's letter regarding the funeral and his request of the Benzo community, please read my blog post from Tuesday. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Professor Ashton's family has requested privacy during this time, and we prefer not to be contacted directly. Instead, they ask that you consider sharing your thoughts via online tributes or through donations to the charity specified. And that being said, on Tuesday, Benzo Free launched a tribute page on our website, which can be found at benzofree.org tribute. This is your page. It is a place for you to share your thoughts with other Benzo survivors, with the Ashton family, and to pay tribute to this amazing woman. Please, I know I ask you many times for feedback, but this time it's really special. Even if it's just a simple thank you, let us know what Professor Ashton meant to you, and we'll post it on this page. This page is for all to see, and it will remain a part of our website permanently. To submit your tribute for Professor Ashton, just go to our feedback form at benzofree.org feedback and check the permissions button so I can share your words publicly. If you prefer to remain anonymous, that is fine also. You can also comment on this post or any other blog post, and I'll still include your message on that page. When I launched BenzoFree over a year ago, I had one principle that was paramount. Keep true to the Ashton Manual. And that is what we did, and we will continue to do. 
You know, I've thought long and hard about what I was going to say in this introduction today. And in the end, the words just escaped me. So, much like with the blog post on Monday I released, I'd like to keep it plain and simple. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Today we will follow a slightly altered format. We will include our introduction, Benzo story, and feature, and we will add back a very brief news section. <laughs> but due to a longer feature section on coping skills, there won't be a mailbag today, but it will return soon, I promise. Our feature today is Coping Skills from A to Z. This is part two of our two-part series on this topic. If you haven't heard part one, you might want to go back and listen to that one first. And I still need feedback as always. Questions, comments, stories, suggestions, corrections, additions, and especially any tributes for Professor Ashton, as I just mentioned in the intro. This is your podcast, and the more content I can share from you, the more Benzo Free becomes a community it was designed to be. So please, tell us what you think. Visit our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback or email us at podcast at benzofree.org. And you can also comment directly on the podcast blog itself for others to see. And don't forget to sign up for our mailing list at benzofree.org slash subscribe. And one last thing, the Benzofree podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. If you are listening to this podcast on one of our providers, please leave feedback on that carrier. This does help new listeners find us. Okay, let's move on to the Benzo News. I actually have just one very short reminder for our news section today. I'll keep this very brief. Many of you know of this upcoming TV special, but I did want to mention it here as a reminder. This Sunday, October 6th, This is Life with Lisa Ling on CNN will provide an in-depth portrayal of the benzodiazepine problem. For the past year, the Benzodiazepine Information Coalition, or BIC, has worked closely with the producers on this episode providing sources, education, and content. You know, our stories are starting to get out there, and this, along with so many other things that have happened recently, are great steps forward. Thanks, BIC, for helping make this happen. And now for our Benzo story. Today's story is from Lindsay in Chicago, Illinois. Like so many of the stories we share here, this one may be difficult for some to hear. So if that is a concern of yours, perhaps it's better to skip this section. You know, also, I've received a few comments, or actually a couple comments, about the changing of my voice that I do when I read comments or stories. I don't really know if it sounds odd or not. I guess I should go back and listen to myself more often, although I hate to do that. So I usually rely on you. The only reason I do it is to try to make it clear when I'm using someone else's words versus mine. But perhaps it is time for a change. I used to say quote and unquote before and after anybody else's words, but that also wasn't too well received. So today I'm just going to read Lindsay's story in my own voice and try and make it clear when her story starts and when it ends. Let me know what you think. Lindsay writes, I was diagnosed with panic disorder and GAD at 15 years of age, and was put on antidepressants, which in turn triggered my genetic predisposition for bipolar. My mom has this too. All through my life, I've been on over 60 meds because I'm treatment resistant. Anyways, I was on Effexor for about 15 years and it became a nightmare. I am now 38, so I weaned off of that and was given Xanax 1 milligram. 
I had no idea what that would do to me and thought I could up the dose whenever my body needed it. My doctor upped it a few times and I ended up on 6 milligrams. I never abused the drug and hated taking it. Shortly after I wanted to tolerance and was so desperate to get off, I went to a one-month residential treatment facility where they gave me more drugs while decreasing my Xanax to the point where I was practically convulsing. I was shaking so bad. My jaw went back and forth violently. Urinary incontinence at times. Blood pressure so high I had to go to the ER at one point. Anyway, they pretty much gave up and prescribed me 12 milligrams of Ativan. I had no idea and wasn't educated. Then they sent me off on my way. I had all the symptoms of withdrawal, tolerance, and acute symptoms. I became agoraphobic, panic attacks, intense fear that left me unable to even take the garbage out and still to this day. My BP can be normal and shoot up so high in seconds, high enough where it's dangerous. Not able to go to family get-togethers for years now. I was on them for a little over four years, and my cognition is so bad, acid trip perceptions. I have to wear sunglasses everywhere, even indoors, which is embarrassing. And that's been the case for over four years, too. I feel dumb and broken. It's been almost five months off with a very slow taper, and small things are better, but not enough to make me hopeful. The acid trip perception is the worst, and the fear all day, every day. I also got to the point where I couldn't fall asleep until 9 a.m. or later, although I can fall asleep around 3.30 now. I feel I will not heal anytime soon, and I've never heard of anyone else feeling like they have been on acid for this long. That's the only thing I can relate it to. I haven't worked in three years now and feel like I never will. My story is long and complicated, with a history of mental illness, so maybe that's why I'm not healing. I'm also on Lamictal, which affects GABA and glutamate, so I'm scared. I tried weaning off, but that has proven impossible, and I thought getting off Ativan was the priority. Who knows? Anyway, that is part of my story. It's interesting because I had a QEEG done when I was on 6 milligrams, and the neuroscientist knew right away what was happening. I have a printout of pictures of my brain, and it's a mess, lit up like a Christmas tree. It tells you what part of your brain is affected and why. I tested possible for PCP and was shocked. He explained to me that the Lamictal and Ativan were creating that chemical state, some weird interaction. That makes sense because of some of the symptoms. Then I went for psychological cognitive testing that lasted a few days, and it correlated exactly with the QEEG. And completely different doctors, so I knew then what was causing it. Also worth mentioning is that I do P90X every single day. Yoga, Kempo, weight training, etc. I was at 100 pounds at one point and made myself work out and have now gained most of my muscle back and am at a healthy weight. I eat pretty plain, but always chicken, fresh veggies and fruit, never any food in boxes. I can't have carbs, sugar, beef, caffeine, and I know that's common. I'm eternally optimistic. At least that's what a few people say. But it's slowly fading the longer this goes on. Thank you for all you do. It means so much to me the validation I get from listening to you and others. It has made me cry it means so much.
Your effort and support I will be forever grateful for. Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm, I'm so sorry for what you've been through, but I'm really grateful you shared it with us today. I've been corresponding with Lindsay quite often over the past month. We've had some wonderful conversations over email, and it's, it's been great to get to know her. Lindsay explained to me in a later email that her acid trip perception is like everything is in high definition. She also wanted me to encourage others to keep exercising if you can, stating that the cumulative effects are obvious in her daily life. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate you allowing me to share your story today, and I hope you find those elusive windows soon. And don't forget, we still need stories. I only have one in the queue right now, so I can always use more. Just go to our feedback form at benzofree.org slash feedback to share your story or send us an email at podcast at benzofree.org. Now let's move on to our feature. Today, our feature topic is coping skills from A to Z. This is part two of our two-part series on coping skills. Today, we will cover the second group of symptoms. Last week, we ended halfway through the M, so that's where we're going to pick up today. If you didn't listen to part one of the series, you might want to go listen to that one first. I do want to repeat again that this is for informational purposes only, and none of it should ever be considered medical advice. I am not a medical professional in any way. In fact, this is also not an endorsement of any of these methods either. Just because I mention them does not mean I recommend them in any way. They're just options. And you need to do your own research and decide what is right for you. And that's it. Let's pick up where we left off. M is for movies and TV. Movies are like any other type of entertainment. They can benefit your mental state or hurt it. It depends on the movie and your current state of mind. I'm, I'm going to talk about two types of movies here that I believe that can be beneficial to the recovery process. And this also goes for TV or any other type of video entertainment. I'm just using movies as an example. The first type are comedies, especially heartwarming ones. Laughing is good, as I mentioned earlier. And feeling good at the end of a movie never hurt anybody. These are distractions, and when life is tough, a distraction can be helpful. Just don't use it as a crutch. It's okay to escape into a good movie now and then, but evading your emotions all the time just puts off the inevitable. The second type of movie I would like to discuss is the tearjerker. I know this may sound counterintuitive, but studies have learned that sad movies are very cathartic and can help in the emotional healing process. As I mentioned before, I have discovered the joy of crying during my withdrawal. And one of the best methods for triggering that is a good, sad movie. Either way, movies can be helpful in escaping difficult times. Just be careful and don't let escapism rule the day every day. M is for music. And since we're already on a theme here with the movies, let's look at music. Nothing elaborate here. Do you like music? Me too. It can make me feel good, and science has actually backed that up. There's been a lot of studies on anxiety and music. In fact, a group of researchers have created a song, a song that has reduced anxiety by up to 65% in people who listen to it. Crazy. I know. 
Scientists at MindLab in the UK teamed up with Marconi Union to create a song that was designed to soothe and reduce stress. And they did it. The song is called Weightless. It's had 49 million views so far, so I wonder if they might be on to something here. But that's just one example of music's soothing nature. It doesn't have to be a scientifically designed song to help you relax. Find the music of your choice, perhaps something with a mellow vibe that will help ease your stress or something uplifting and energizing to motivate you into action. It depends on your mood and what you're seeking. Music is wonderful for soothing the soul, so give it a try. N is for nature. Whether you call it ecotherapy, forest bathing, or just a walk in the woods, getting outside is very beneficial to your general health. During withdrawal, we so often isolate ourselves either out of fear, anxiety, or pain. But don't let that happen to you if you can help it. Getting out into nature has so many advantages. If you can still walk and can leave your house, do it. Do it now if you can. There are so many benefits to walking in nature that I can't even start to list them here. The sounds of Mother Nature are incredibly soothing. The leaves rustling in the trees, the beauty of the nature around you, the sound of a bubbling brook. It goes on and on, and yes, studies have backed this at every turn. There's a Japanese term I want to share. It's shinrin-yoku, which roughly translates as forest bathing or taking in the forest. A 2010 study compared people's responses of sitting and walking in the city to doing the same in the forest. The study concluded that the physiological effects of shinrin-yoku show that forest environments could lower concentrations of cortisol, lower pulse rate, lower blood pressure, increase parasympathetic nerve activity, and lower sympathetic nerve activity compared with city settings. There is also evidence that decaying trees release a chemical which helps to reduce anxiety. Nature is the original anti-anxiety drug. It might even be addictive. Now, wouldn't that be great? P is for pace yourself. When you are in the middle of withdrawal, you know you can only do so much. And we often limit our activities because the consequences are too painful. But when we start to heal and start to feel better, we often start to do too much and do it too fast. This happened to me and so many of you I have talked to. We are so happy to be feeling better that we want to get right back in it. And then boom, a wave. And we wonder what happened. Well, it's simple. We pushed ourselves too hard. This is especially true for that small minority of us in protracted withdrawal, which has lasted for years instead of months. And our patience is wearing thin. We want to get back to work. We want to help out our spouse with the kids and chores. We, we want to socialize and travel and have a life again. And we will. But for some of us, it can take a while, even a long while. Accepting our limitations is a bitter pill to swallow, but 
one that is key to long-term success. I'm not saying these limitations need to be permanent, but for some of us, we might need them for a while. P is for patience. You know, I really wanted to talk about patience here, but we just don't have the time. (laughs) Sorry. Benzo withdrawal can take a long time for some of us. Thus, patience is an essential mental concept you can't live without. It's not easy, especially when you are in pain. But if you work at it, you might find things become a bit easier. Practice on little things, like when you are in traffic or at the DMV or watching your daughter's choir recital and there's only 16 more girls on until she gets on stage. Take these opportunities to find patience. Look around. People watch. Spot the changing leaves outside. Take a few deep breaths. Do a spot meditation. Or just enjoy the moment. Training to find patience helps ease anxiety. P is for pets. Most of you know Bear, even though you never met him. (laughs) I should post a pic of him on the website. I'll see if I can't do that later this week. Anyway, Bear was my buddy throughout my withdrawal, and I don't know what I would have done without him. And, And now that he's struggling, I want to do everything I can to make him comfortable and help him heal. If you have a pet, spend some time with him or her. Science has proven that spending time with pets not only decreases anxiety, but also helps people heal from serious illness. Also, pets often need attention, such as food, walks, trips to the vet, etc. All things which help keep you busy and even might get you out of the house now and then. We still walk bare twice a day, a little over a mile every day. And even when I can't get any other exercise in, I'm guaranteed to at least have a mile walk. That's a good routine to have. And I have to thank my dog for it. Thanks, Bear. P is for positivity. This one is obvious and annoying to some. I won't be presumptuous and say, just be positive. I know people hate that and it's never that simple. But we can try and take the glass half full approach, even in benzo withdrawal. One of the key points of this that I've found is when something positive does happen, don't block it, even if that's your natural instinct. I would often block positive thoughts because I was in the middle of withdrawal and I knew things were going to get bad again soon, so why bother? But that just doesn't make sense. Life is an ebb and flow of positive and negative thoughts and emotions. That's what it is. If one of our goals in life is to be happy and thus have more positive than negative thoughts and emotions, then shouldn't we embrace the positive ones when they come along, even cling to them if we can, and see if we can stretch them out maybe and last a little longer? It may be an adage, but there's something to being positive when we can. And what a better time to practice that than now. P is for progressive muscle relaxation. This is a wonderful technique which combines deep breathing with a systematic relaxation of your muscles. And like most breathing exercises, 
it's very easy to do. All you have to do is start by slowing and deepening your breath to relax. Then start with your head or start with your feet and just tense a specific area of your body for five seconds, like your forehead or your left foot. After the five seconds, relax it for 20 to 30 seconds. And then do this again with the next body part. You might be surprised where you find the tension in your body and how good it feels to relax that. Here's a quote from the website for National Jewish Health. Progressive relaxation yields a variety of benefits, including the development of a feeling of well-being, lowered blood pressure, decreased muscle tension, thereby reducing the body's need for oxygen and reducing fatigue and anxiety. National Jewish Health also has a progression list for each area on their website if you want to check it out. I put a link in the show notes. To fully benefit from this technique, it's good to create a habit of it and set aside three to five sessions a week for relaxing. Since our muscles take a big hit in benzo withdrawal in addition to anxiety and our nerve damage, this is a great technique to work on all areas. There are even videos on YouTube to help you with this if you'd like some guidance. Just do a search for progressive muscle relaxation and you will find them. Q is for quiet place. One of the keys to withdrawal can be finding solace, a, a place where you can shut out the world for a while and just be quiet and rest and, and recover. Sometimes it's a room of your home or your basement or the garage or perhaps a spot by the stream on the trail or your back patio. Wherever it is, even if it's multiple places, have a place you can go to recharge. And let your loved ones know what that is, that it's a quiet place, and when you are here, it's time to leave you alone, even if it's just for 15 minutes. Now, I'm not blind to many people's demands on their time, and finding a real quiet place when you have three kids, a spouse, and job, and the in-laws visiting is not going to be an easy task but do what you can. I know some of you even find solace in your car when it's sitting in the garage. It doesn't matter where, but when you hit a wall and you're about to burst, finding a place to escape to for even a few minutes can be a real lifesaver. R is for reminders. This was a technique that I used quite often during my withdrawal. Let me explain. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands of coping techniques for benzo withdrawal, for stress, anxiety, depression, and any other condition. But sometimes, especially in benzo withdrawal, we don't remember what they are, especially when we need them. I found that I would come across a saying or a mantra or a thought or an exercise or a way of looking at the world and it would help me when my mind went dark or became too stressed. But I couldn't always remember these the next time I needed them. We all find coping skills which help us along our path. Perhaps some of these in the list today are some of them. But they don't help much if you can't remember them. So this is where technology came to my aid. I simply added them to the reminders list on my iPhone. 
I created a list called Mental Tools. You can name it whatever you like. And I now have 50 separate techniques or sayings or whatever to help me through difficult times. If remembering things is a limitation of yours, there's nothing wrong with relying on your phone or other technology for a little help. R is for responsibility. This was a key that I focused on in my book. I'm a believer in taking responsibility for ourselves, including for our actions, our lives, and most of all with benzo withdrawal, our health. However we got here, we are here and we're dependent on benzos. And I believe that taking charge of this situation, taking responsibility for our own recovery, is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. I'm in charge of my own health. Unfortunately, I wasn't so much before, and look where it got me. Ashton said the following in her manual. Usually the best judge is you yourself. You must be in control and must proceed at the pace that is comfortable for you. So educate yourself. Work with your doctor as a partner. You have a say in your own treatment. Remember that. It's your health, your life. Shouldn't you be in charge? S is for saying lists. Okay, okay, I know that's kind of a slightly odd title. <laughs> I should have just put it under lists. But see, this one came to me just recently. And since I've already finished recording part one through the M's, I couldn't add an L to my list. So I threw saying in front of it so I can add an S. <laughs> Either way, whether it's lists or saying lists, it's the same thing. And this is another one from our listeners. Here is part of Lindsay's email which clued me into this technique, and yes, this is the same Lindsay who was in our Benzo story today. Lindsay wrote, I remember when I was at Timberline Knolls where they put me on 11 milligrams of Ativan for a time, where I was pretty much psychotic and terrified. A woman took a list, and it was A to Z, and asked me to say the name of animals. She spoke to me like I was practically a toddler, but I needed that. It was when they were tapering me rapidly off of Xanax. It worked pretty well considering my state of mind. It kept my mind busy, and to this day I use the list as a coping tool, especially if my mind is racing at night. Well, thanks, Lindsay, for sharing that. Naming objects alphabetically keeps the mind busy and helps it focus on something other than your stressors. Lindsay provides some common list topics in her email, such as animals, drinks, states, Towns, plants, cars, bands, songs, even fruits and vegetables, and on and on. I investigated this technique a bit after receiving Lindsay's email and found that it is a common technique for calming children when they are emotionally stressed, but it also has been found equally effective in adults. Either way, it's a technique to keep your mind busy and keep your mind in a rhythmic exercise so it isn't going to those dark places that we visit so often. S is for simplify. Things come with stress. I read a book not too long ago, and I didn't write it here in my notes, and I don't remember the title. I should have included it as a resource. I'm sorry. Maybe I can sneak it in on the show notes. But it basically said that same phrase, that objects in your life have stress with them. The more objects you have, the more stress you get from them. 
It sounds counterintuitive, but it's really not. Many of you know about the simplification movement. It's catching on all over the world, and there's some science behind it. This is a statement I didn't really understand until I went through benzo withdrawal. Things in your life, material possessions, property, cars, homes, stuff in the basement, all this stuff comes with stress. That is one of the cornerstones of the simplification movement. Simplifying can ease anxiety, and during withdrawal, easing anxiety can be a really good thing. So, maybe it's something to consider. S is for sing and dance. Okay, this one may sound a bit hokey, but sometimes hokey is good. When I was in counseling early on during my taper, my counselor advised me to sing to help with my depression. She said to sing songs that make me happy. I gave it a try, especially in the shower or when walking the dog. Bear didn't mind. He's tone deaf. (laughs) So I tried it, and it helped. Some of my favorites were Feeling Groovy, the 59th Street Bridge song by Simon and Garfunkel, or Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, and Hold Your Head High by Head East. These were just ones I like. As you can tell, I'm kind of a fan of classic rock. Later, I added Happy by Pharrell Williams to the mix, a perfect song for this exercise. I know my mix is outdated for some of you, but that's not the point. Find the music that makes you happy and listen to it now and then. It just might pull you out of a funk. And if you're going to be singing, why not dance? You might be envisioning a scene from Footloose or something here, but it doesn't have to be that elaborate. Dance is a combination of movement and music two very positive things. Combine them and they can be a mood enhancer. And who doesn't want that when they are recovering from a serious illness? Dr. Wayne Dyer said the following, when you dance, your purpose is not to get to a certain place on the floor. It's to enjoy each step along the way. I think that quote sums it up quite nicely. S is for slowing down. This one goes along with the disconnect topic earlier that we covered last episode. I found myself attracted to slowness during my withdrawal in an attempt to manage the pressures of this fast-paced life we live in. One of the things I was attracted to at this time, believe it or not, was videos of trains. (laughs) No, not of train crashes. No, not of trains rushing past. In fact, not even of freight trains just missing cars on the crossing. Just of trains passing. Just of trains on a long, slow climb over the mountains in Norway. One of my favorite videos was a seven-hour journey of a train ride from Bergen to Oslo in Norway. I may even have shared this before on this podcast. This video was mesmerizing to me. Nothing really exciting ever happened, and that's what I loved about it. It was through some of the most beautiful country on earth, and it was peaceful. You know, I I guess I needed some peaceful in my life at that time. I've watched it several times now, and it never fails to draw me in. I often thought I've definitely lost my marbles and that no one else will ever understand why I find this so engrossing, (laughs) but I do. And then I was watching some morning news show back when I watched the news and they were talking about this video, the one I watch. I guess it had gone viral 
I never even noticed how many people had watched it. I just watched it and liked it. Turns out it was part of a movement called Slow TV. And I was hooked. That video now has 773,000 views at the time of this podcast. But watching slow videos is just the tip of the iceberg. One of my favorite books I read during my withdrawal was titled In Praise of Slowness, Challenging the Cult of Speed by Carl Honore. In this book, the author takes a close look at the slowness movement, a movement about taking life just a bit slower and enjoying it, and as a result, having less stress and anxiety. The book is worth reading just for the story he tells about buying a book for his daughter at the airport, if for no other reason. Anyway, I realize this may not be for everyone, and some of you may be rolling your eyes saying to yourself, I can't slow down. There's far too much to do. There's too many demands on my life and on my time. Well, I'm not going to argue with you at all. But suffice it to say, if you want to slow down even just a bit and try and enjoy the special times in life a little bit more, you might find you have a bit less anxiety and surprisingly even have more time on your hands. And perhaps your withdrawal will get just a bit easier. S is for spirituality. Whether you believe in a higher power or not is up to you. I make no judgments in that regard. In fact, I ping pong around all the time. <laughs> but if you do have a faith in a supreme being, now is a really good time to focus on that faith. Spiritual connections can be a great source of comfort for many during hard times. Don't block out this part of your life at this time. Instead, embrace it, lean on it, and find guidance through it. God can be a wonderful coach through benzo withdrawal. If you're a believer, find support in your faith. S is for stretching and yoga. Most of you know the damage withdrawal can place on our muscles. Not only are the nerves damaged, sending messed up signals, but our muscles are now missing a muscle relaxant, which is part of some of these drugs. Thus, it's important to take care of our muscles during this time, and, and that should incorporate stretching, especially before and after exercising. Yoga is a wonderful method for stretching, and it combines meditation and mindfulness, which all help manage your anxiety. It's, it's like the perfect combination. Saying that, I should also be honest with you and say I haven't gone <laughs> in, in a few months. <laughs> I need to find a class again and start going back. We all get busy and I do it too, so I'm just admitting to you up front. As much as I know yoga is a wonderful thing for us, I'm not great on follow-through. But I'm going to try, and I'm going to try to get back to a class and do it more often. One word of caution, though, as I mentioned before in an earlier topic, our muscles can be very tight during this time, so please remember to take it easy. You can pull a muscle easily in benzo withdrawal, so listen to your body and adjust. T is for tapping. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's a method of easing physical pain and emotional distress via rhythmic tapping or acupressure. Although there's not a lot of research on it yet, 
it has been accepted by many medical professionals as a standard form of treatment. I was introduced to EFT by my physical therapist during withdrawal. I tried it for a little while, but I must admit I wasn't a very good patient. (laughs) And regardless of my distress, I didn't stick with the practice. I did recently hear from a listener about EFT tapping. I don't have permission to share her email here, but she mentioned that her tapping helped her anxiety significantly and that it is a great way to find focus and calm. And she wanted to hear more about alternative therapies on the podcast. Tapping is a curious technique and one I might reinvestigate myself. Perhaps it will be helpful in my protracted withdrawal. If you have any experience with this, please let me know, and I will share it here on a future podcast. T is for touch. You know, one of the biggest contradictions in modern day life is the human need for touch. We need touch. All humans need touch. It is a physiological and psychological need for the human species. Cuddling, snuggling, hugging, they all cause the release of oxytocin into our system, which can dramatically help when you are suffering from depression. And yet, we live in a society where basic human touch appears to be rationed. We are afraid to be touched by anyone sometimes, in case their intentions are not honorable. We are afraid to touch someone in case they might think our intentions are not honorable and we might be accused of something inappropriate. We spend more time alone on our phones than with other people, and we isolate ourselves more and more each and every day. One of my weekly gifts to myself during withdrawal was a massage. I mentioned that in part one of this feature. My massage therapist also became a friend of mine and told me one of the saddest things I'd heard in a long time. She said that some of her clients come to her just to be touched. Now, I don't mean some happy ending fantasy kind of touch. Get your mind out of the gutter here, okay? I'm not going there. I mean basic human touch. Where did we go so wrong that people have to pay someone just to get the warm, relaxing connection of human touch? That, to me, is truly sad. And speaking of touch, I was introduced to another technique during my physical therapy, one that is designed to reduce sympathetic nervous system levels, or SNS levels. SNS is the fight-or-flight system, which can be severely affected by benzo withdrawal. This is called the Associative Awareness Technique, or AAT. And it is a six-step process designed to restore balance within your central nervous system. Sounds familiar, huh? That's kind of what we've all been trying to do. The treatment itself is quite enjoyable and can feel like a very light massage. Now, much like the EFT I mentioned earlier, I didn't follow through on this process or treatment, so I can't really speak to its long-term results for me. But perhaps it might hold some promise for others and for helping you deal with some of your chronic symptoms. Now, if you have issues with touch due to abuse, OCD, or other issues, then this subject is probably not for you. You need to set boundaries which work for you. But for the rest of us, perhaps there is a message here. Touching is incredibly powerful. Sure, we can't go around indiscriminately touching people. 
We can get in a lot of trouble for that. But where it is socially acceptable, such as with family, close friends, in a professional therapy setting, its benefits can be incredibly helpful. T is for treat yourself. I've spoken about this before, but I think it's important to mention it again, as I've done with some of the other things in this list. Add a little luxury to your life. I know it's hard to enjoy anything in the middle of severe withdrawal, and I struggled with that too, but sometimes you just need to do something nice for yourself. Perhaps go to a movie if the noise and crowds aren't too much for you, or buy yourself an ice cream cone, you know, the good ones with all those mix-ins and a chocolate dip cone covered in nuts. (laughs) That is, if sugar isn't a trigger for you. Or buy yourself that new dress or pair of shoes, even if you don't get outside much anymore and are only wearing it for yourself. Or call up an old friend, one you haven't talked to in a long time, and just catch up. Some of us can't do some of these things, but there's always something you can do, and it's important to do it. Treat yourself off and on during withdrawal. You are going through a hell of a time. You deserve this. T is for trigger limitations. Every one of us who struggles with benzoyl withdrawal has triggers. I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm, I mean triggers. Although Tigger might be a good <laughs> character to mention here. <laughs> Actually, Tigger was my favorite character of all the Winnie the Pooh characters. I used to love that guy and had a couple t-shirts with him on me. And, you know, he's probably a great mascot for us sometimes to just look on the bright side, be bouncy, have energy, and not let all the crap get us down. <laughs> but that's not the topic here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I digress. Let me back up a second. Every one of us who struggles with benzoyl withdrawal has triggers, not triggers. Whether they are mental triggers or physical triggers, they can make our symptoms and thus our entire withdrawal worse. Now, I'm all for facing your triggers and your triggers if you need to, and I highly encourage that when the time is right. But when we are in distress from the complications of withdrawal, it's probably not the right time. If reading horror stories on online benzo groups is a trigger for you, then sign off. While these sites can be helpful at times, they can also make things worse. I've even heard from a few of you that this podcast can be a trigger, especially when hearing the stories of struggles that some have faced. And that's why we've added the index to the show notes so you can skip over a section if needed. If lighter sounds are causing headaches and stress, then... Find a way of creating a safe place, which reduces the prevalence of these triggers. If someone in your life has become toxic to you during this time, put some boundaries in place so that you can find some peace and heal without too much negativity. Our reactions to triggers can be extreme during withdrawal, and it's important to manage your exposure wisely so you can heal. V is for volunteer. This may seem like one of the most counterintuitive ones on the list, but it's actually quite sensible. During withdrawal, we often become very self-centered. This is not intentional and not even necessarily a selfish thing. Our experience can be so overwhelming, it's hard to think of anything or anybody else. But when we can, perhaps it's a good idea to try and do so. 
Not only does helping others keep our mind off our own symptoms and our own struggles and our own pain and our own state of affairs, but altruism has been found to be one of the most beneficial acts human beings can do. Science has shown that helping others actually helps three people. The receiver of the good deed, the giver of the good deed, and even the observer of the good deed. You can't lose in that scenario. So when you can, take some time out and help someone else. Or, if you have the energy and ability, volunteer. You might find it helps you even more than the one you're helping. W is for walking. Get outside if you can, at least once a day, and take a walk. It's that simple. It can be a brisk walk or just a leisurely stroll through the park. It doesn't really matter. Just get out and walk. There's even a method of walking meditation that I introduced last episode on the podcast. And for those of you who are unable to walk, then ask somebody else to help you get outside. Either pushing your wheelchair out and seeing nature and getting the fresh air. Anything to get you out of the same building, the same room, the same mindset all the time. This is nothing new. According to the American Heart Association, walking reduced the risk of heart disease by 9.3%, even more than running. The benefits of walking go on and on, and I could spend the next hour sitting here talking about it, but I won't. (laughs) You can breathe a sigh of relief on that one. We're at the end of the list, so I'm not going to carry on too long. Just know that if you can do nothing else, try and walk once a day. And if not today, then give it a shot tomorrow. W is for whistle. You know, science has shown that repeated habits can make a difference to our mood. Just as listening to music and dancing can help our mood, so can whistling. And the great thing about whistling is it's easy to do. Almost everybody can do it. You don't even need lessons. Some classic songs talk about whistling and their benefits or even have whistling in them like Whistle a Happy Tune or Whistle While You Work. Sitting on the Dock of the Bay has a great whistling section in it or even the Andy Griffith theme song, if you go back that far. (laughs) One of my all-time favorites, in fact, I just finished reading a memoir of the man who wrote this song, is Monty Python's Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. I'm an old Python nut, so that one stays in my head sometimes. In fact, that song is now the most requested song at British funerals. It seems like when songwriters want to talk about feeling good, they love to incorporate whistling. Maybe there's something to that. And now for something completely different. Z is for zucchini. Zucchini actually has nothing at all to do with this list. I just wanted to have a Z word, and I couldn't find one that really worked here. So I went with zucchini. So now I can actually say this list is from A to Z instead of A to W, which just doesn't sound as good. Now, I'm not saying zucchini isn't helpful in withdrawal. It's it's pretty nutritious, and I'm sure it is great for you during this time. But I'm just not sure it is a coping skill or has anything to do with what we're talking about today. It's the end of the list. I'm getting a bit stir-crazy, and I got desperate. (laughs) If adding this one at the end gave you even the slightest chuckle, then it was worth it. And if it didn't, well, 
then you obviously have high comedic standards, and I applaud you. <laughs> and that wraps up our feature. I'm going to put one more link in our show notes, just in case you are looking for some more options of coping skills. I came across the Robert Wood Johnson Medical School at Rutgers University, and they had an alphabetical list of stress management and coping skills on their website. Now, these are provided as a resource for parents of children with cystic fibrosis, but the list is a wonderful resource for anyone. Now, unfortunately, I did not come across this list until yesterday when I was 98% done with today's script. So even though there might be a bit of duplication on their list with the list I covered today, this list was not used in my research. I guess I'm just going to have to do this list all over again and include some of their suggestions at that time. Check out that list if you're looking for more options. There are about 200 on that two-page document, so you're bound to find something you like there. I'll put a link to it in our show notes, as always. And before we get to our moment of peace, please bear with me for about 30 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzo Free Podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. The way this works is that I will give you a brief introduction, perhaps a suggestion of something to focus on. Then I will play a soft bell, which will indicate the start of the one minute. This will be followed by another soft bell, which will indicate the end of the one minute. And that will be the end of the episode. Feel free to continue to meditate if you choose. If not, continue on with your day. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Today we are going to do a progressive relaxation as our meditation. We mentioned it briefly in our list of coping skills today, and I thought it would be a good tie-in to include it here with our moment of peace. This can be done sitting up, but if you have a place to lie down, it can be an even better position for this technique. Again, if you are driving in a car, lying down is not advised. (laughs) The exercise is very simple. Starting at either your head or your feet, tense a specific muscle group, such as your forehead or your left foot, for five seconds. Then release it for about 20 to 30 seconds. And then continue on throughout your body. Since our moment of peace is only one minute long, you may not get very far. But at least you can get started and carry on at your own pace. A full session of this can last 10 to 20 minutes or longer. So let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in 
hold it for a second and let it out slowly let's do that again take a deep breath in hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day one more time take a deep breath in hold it for a second then let the breath out slowly relaxing your entire body now just breathe slowly and naturally and start tensing one muscle group for five seconds and then release it for 20 to 30 seconds continue to work your way up or down your body as desired do this for one minute next episode is episode 39 and it will be released next Wednesday thank you again for joining me today and please let me know how we did keep calm taper slowly and take care of yourself I'll see you next time